After you get your psalm book put away, I want to ask you to take out your Bible and go to a place that we've been studying quite a bit from in our auditorium class, and that's the book of Exodus. Will you get your Bible out, please, and make your way to Exodus, the 35th chapter. Please go in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 35. Want to begin by reading the first two verses of Exodus 35. There the Bible says, Exodus 35 and verse 1, Then Moses assembled all of the congregation of the sons of Israel and said to them, These things that the Lord has commanded you to do for six days, for six days you may work, work may be done. But on the seventh day you shall have a holy day, a Sabbath of complete rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. I want to begin this morning by asking you, what did you do yesterday? What did you do yesterday? Did you go to work yesterday? Did you cut your grass or fix your car or do some repairs around the house? Or go camping, hiking, fishing, play basketball, go golf, do some chores, travel around the valley or to the upper part of the state to see its beauty. Did you do any of those kinds of things yesterday? If you did, then I want you to understand something. I want you to understand that had you been living under this law, had you been living under the Old Testament law of Moses that was given to the children of Israel at Mount Sinai, if you had been living under the Sabbath law and you did the kind of stuff you did yesterday, you would have been killed. You would have been put to death. You would have been executed by the commandment of God. That is exactly what the Bible says. Right here in Exodus chapter 35. Here in Exodus chapter 35, we find God giving the children of Israel instructions concerning the Sabbath day. We find him giving specific instructions concerning a day that was to be holy unto the Lord. In fact, the instructions for this day the Sabbath day don't really begin here in Exodus chapter 35, but instead they're actually first introduced to the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 16. Going back to where our scripture reading came from this morning, remember there we, find, we found God commanding his people to observe the Sabbath when gathering manna in the wilderness. When gathering the bread that God rained from heaven, God told them that for six days they were to collect that bread. For six days they were to gather that bread that he rained from heaven in the wilderness, but on the seventh day there would be no bread. There would be no manna that rained from heaven, and they were not to go out looking for it or trying to gather it. Instead, God says that they were to rest. They were to do nothing and completely trust him to take care of them. This is actually the first time in the Bible where we find anybody observing the Sabbath day. Contrary to what a lot of religious folks believe today, 
The people of Israel were not observing the Sabbath day during their time as slaves in the land of Egypt. They don't start doing that until right here in Exodus chapter 16. In fact, this practice will go on to become such a big part of their lives that God would also include it in the law. God would include it in the Ten Commandments. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 8, the Bible says that the fourth of the Ten Commandments was the commandment to remember the Sabbath. God said, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. God would actually repeat this commandment again and again and again and again. He would repeat this commandment in Exodus 23. And in Exodus 31 and in Exodus 34 and 35 and throughout the book of Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. In fact, as Brother Brian mentioned this morning, even in the ministry of Jesus, we find the Sabbath day having a big role in the Lord's interactions with the Jewish leaders. The Sabbath commandment is literally found all throughout the Bible. The question, though, is, is what is it? What was it? What was it all about? Why was it so important? Why was it so important to God and to the law and to the people of God in the Old Testament? Well, as we consider a few fast facts about the Sabbath day, let me begin by suggesting to you that the word Sabbath means rest. It does not mean seventh. It means rest. It was a day of rest for the people of God. And the word is actually used or found over 150 times in the Bible. It's found all throughout the Old Testament and it's found all throughout the New Testament. In fact, as we said earlier, it was one of the Ten Commandments. It was actually one of the positive commandments. Now, when I say positive commandments, I mean that it was not a thou shalt not. It was not a thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not worship an idol. It wasn't a thou shalt not, but it was a thou shalt. Thou shalt do something that the Lord wants you to do. Look at Exodus chapter 20, please. And you may want to put your Bible marker in Exodus 20. But in Exodus, the 20th chapter, when God is giving the children of Israel the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 8, the Bible says, remember the Sabbath. This is the fourth of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. Notice how in order to properly keep the Sabbath, the Bible says that for six days, for six days the people of God could work. For six days, the people of God could do all kinds of manual labor. They could plant, they could harvest, they could tend to their flocks and their herds and, and, and their fields. They could do all of these kinds of things, but on the Sabbath day, God says they had to rest. They had to stop. They had to cease from any kind of work. If they happened to violate this commandment of God, as we said earlier, they would be punished. They would actually face capital punishment. They would be put to death. 
That's how serious God was about this commandment. In fact, this commandment is actually rooted, is actually rooted in how God did things from the beginning. It is rooted in how God worked at the beginning. Look at verse number 11 and appreciate with me how when it came to all of the Ten Commandments, God has more to say about the Sabbath than any of the other ones. He has more to say about this one than any of the other commandments in the Ten Commandments. That's how important this is to God. And so we go to Exodus chapter 20, look at verse number 11 as God explains why he wants them to do this. In verse 11, for in six days... The Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. Notice how the Sabbath commandment is rooted in God's work at creation. It is actually designed to follow the pattern of God's work in the beginning. If you remember in Genesis chapter 2, in verse number 2, Moses tells us that after God created the world and everything in it in six literal days, he rested. He rested on the seventh day. Now, when the Bible says that God rested on the seventh day, it doesn't mean that God got tired. It doesn't mean that God was like, whoo, I'm just so exhausted. It doesn't mean that God took a nap or finally went to bed or he went on vacation. No, what that language means is God ceased from his creative work. It means that God stopped making stuff. It means that God was fully satisfied with the product of his handiwork and he was now ready to enter into fellowship with mankind in the Garden of Eden. You see, like God operated on a seven-day cycle in the beginning, Israel was to also operate on a seven-day cycle. They, too, were to be active and working for six literal days, but on the seventh day, they were to stop. They were to cease. They were to rest. That is what the law required of them. The question is, is that what God also requires of us? Is that what God also requires of me? And is that what he requires of you? Is that what God requires of Christians or or disciples of Jesus Christ? For a lot of religious folks, they will tell us that God does. That God does require us to observe the Sabbath. In fact, some even refer to Sunday as the Christian Sabbath. You ever heard anyone say that before? I've heard people say that on numerous occasions. And the reality is that is wrong. That is absolutely wrong. Sunday is not the Christian Sabbath. Sunday is not commanded to be a day of rest for the people of God today. Instead, Sunday is the first day of the week. Sunday is the Lord's day. Sunday is the day when Christians are to assemble together to worship God in spirit and in truth. Sunday is not the seventh day of the week. It is not the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day was on Saturday. 
The Sabbath day took place on the seventh day of the week. It was the day when under the old covenant, God commanded his people, the children of Israel, to cease from their work. It, along with the other nine of the Ten Commandments, are not binding on Christians today. All of that stuff, the Ten Commandments, along with all of the Old Testament law of Moses, was done away with and nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ. That is what the Apostle Paul, that's what the Apostle Paul teaches us all throughout the New Testament. For example, for example, in the book of Galatians, in the book of Galatians chapter 3, in Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 through 25, the Apostle Paul describes the Old Testament law of Moses, which included the Ten Commandments. He calls it a schoolmaster. He calls it a tutor that was designed to bring us to Christ. But once the system of being justified by faith in Christ was in force, once the gospel law came in force, well, that tutor was done away with. It was no longer necessary anymore. It was done away with and fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Paul makes a similar point in Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 4. In Galatians 5 and verse 4, Paul tells Christians that if we try to be justified by the Old Testament law of Moses, which included the Ten Commandments, well, guess what? We have fallen from grace. We have fallen from God's grace. The blood of Jesus doesn't do us any good anymore. We have cut off or severed our relationship with Christ. The Hebrew writer would put it this way in Hebrews chapter 8 and in verse number 13, how when describing the law, he calls it obsolete. He calls it, oh, something that has disappeared. And then go in your Bible to Colossians with me, please. We've been studying from Colossians the last three months, trying to do at least one sermon a month from Colossians. And remember in Colossians 2, in Colossians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul has some things to say about the old law, which included the Ten Commandments. When he says in Colossians 2, verse number 14, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile, notice, hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to his cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or respect to a festival or a new moon or a, or a Sabbath day. Things which were a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Paul says here that when it comes to, to the Sabbath day, that's not binding on Christians. That's not binding on followers of Jesus Christ, members of the church. Paul says that that was nailed to the cross. If that's not clear for you, then please look at Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, Romans 7 and verse 6. In Romans chapter 7 and in verse number 6, the apostle Paul says, But now we have been released, set free from. We have been released. Set free, Paul says, from the law, having died to that by which we were bound, so that we serve in newness of the spirit and not in oldness of the letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? May it never be. On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the law, for I would not have known about coveting if the law had not said, you shall not covet. Question. 
That language you find at the end of verse number seven. Where is that found? Where is that found in the law that Paul is mentioning here? Well, my friends, that language, you shall not covet, is only found one place in the law, only one place. And you know where it is? The Ten Commandments. That is commandment number 10. The tenth of the Ten Commandments was you shall not covet. Paul says it is that law that we've been released from. It is that law that we've been set free from. It is that law that we have died to and that we're no longer bound by. What I just want you to see is according to what the Bible says, according to the Bible, the old law, which includes the Ten Commandments, is not binding on Christians today. And for those who may think, well, that means it's okay to murder and disobey our parents and covet and, and worship an idol, let me say that that's not right. In fact, nine of the Ten Commandments, nine of those commandments are actually found in the law of the gospel. They are found in the New Testament law that was instituted by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The only one, the only commandment from the Ten Commandments that's not also found in the New Testament law is, is the keeping of the Sabbath. The keeping of the Sabbath is not required and binding upon God's people today. But and listen carefully to me, that doesn't mean that it's still not worthy of our study today. That doesn't mean that we need to rip every verse that talks about the Sabbath out of our Bibles. That doesn't mean that the Lord's commandment for Israel to keep the Sabbath under the old law can't still teach us many important things about God and about Jesus and how we can serve God and his son in an even better way in our lives today. Oh, there are just so many things, so many principles that we can learn that can help us in our lives today from the commandment to keep the Sabbath. For example, consider this right here. Consider how one of the principles, one of the principles that we learn from the commandment to keep the Sabbath is from the Sabbath law we learn that there's value in working. Do you see that? There's value in working. God made people to work. God made people to be productive and contributors. He did not make people to be lazy. He did not make people to be idle and always looking for our handout from somebody. We learned this as early as Genesis chapter 2. Remember in Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 15, before God even made marriage, before marriage even entered into the world, and before sin even entered into the world, work was in the world. Work was in the world. God made the first man Adam. And he placed him in the Garden of Eden. And you know what he told him to do? He said, Adam, get to work. He said, Adam, I want you to cultivate this garden. I want you to keep this garden. Before sin came into the world and before marriage came into the world, work was in the world. God has required man to work from the beginning. God has always wanted a man to work. In fact, in order for Israel to rest on the Sabbath day, guess what they had to do first? They had to work. 
And so go back to Exodus 20 again. I told you we were going back there and we're noticing the principle here. Principles never change. Listen carefully. Laws change. Principles don't change. Principles don't change. And there are principles from the Sabbath that never change. And so we look at Exodus chapter 20 and we look at verse number nine where God says six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God in it. You shall not do any work. Do you see the cycle? Do you see the process? God says this is how it goes. You work, then you rest. You work, then you rest. You work, then you rest. We got it backwards. A lot of times we got it backwards today. God made man to work. He also made us to work. Do you remember 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10? This is New Testament here. Paul told the brethren in Thessalonica, if a man doesn't work, he also shouldn't do what else? He shouldn't eat. You know the verse. God says, if you don't work, you don't eat. If you don't work, you don't deserve any produce. Go in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 28, as Paul talks about what is required of people when they become new creatures or they, when they become new in Jesus Christ. He says in Ephesians 4 and verse number 28, he who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with those who are in need. Paul echoes this in Colossians, in Colossians chapter 3. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 23, the Apostle Paul says, Whatever you do, do your work. Notice, do your work heartily as for the Lord, rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Notice how here we learn that not only does God want us to work, but he wants us to work hard. He wants us to be diligent. He wants us to be on our jobs and working with some integrity, not just a, not just riding the clock. Not just sitting around trying to fool the boss, not just trying to collect a paycheck. No, God says you work on your job like you're working for me. You have integrity. The Bible says that God wants us to work. God wants us to work, and I got to tell you that as each day passes by in our society, it feels like a lot of people don't get this. It feels like we're living in a society where for a lot of people, they don't see the value of work. They don't see the value of laboring. They don't see the value of earning their way in life. Instead, what a lot of people want to do is they just want to get to the rest part. They just want to rest. They just want to sit down all day and watch soap operas and watch other people support them and pay their bills and provide things for them that are their responsibility. A lot of people today in our society view work as a bad thing, but the Bible says work is a good thing. It is a very good thing. It is something that God created and he wants people to do. He wants people to be productive. He wants people to have a to have integrity and go out and make an honest day's living. Earn money the right way. Doing that will enable us to do the things we need to do in this life. Working will enable us to buy the things 
that we need to survive and to be able to take care of our families. It will enable us to help other people and be benevolent and support the work of the church. It also will give us a sense of dignity and purpose and self-worth. It will help us avoid being a burden on other people. And it will allow us to contribute to this great country that we live in. And it will allow us to store up generational wealth for our family. And it will just enable us to enjoy life. Enjoy life. There are just so many blessings attached to work. And please, my friends, challenge yourself to see that. Challenge yourself to be thankful for those blessings. Challenge yourself to be thankful for the blessings of work tomorrow. Tomorrow, when you get up to go to work, thank God that you can do that. Thank God if you have a job. Thank God if you have a way to take care of your family. Don't gripe about that. Don't complain about that. Don't wish you could be sitting at home on the couch watching the prices right and, and young and the restless. No, be thankful that you got the health and the strength right now to do something that God made you to do, and that's go to work. See, that's a principle you learn from the Sabbath. The Sabbath teaches us a principle about the value of work, and then secondly, it also teaches about the value of some rest. The value of rest. You see, in addition to working, God also wanted his people to rest. Exodus 20, verse 10, we go back to that fourth of the Ten Commandments. God says that after they worked, Exodus 20, verse 10, after they worked for six days, they were to stop. They were to cease. They were to stop being so busy. This commandment was required of men, of women, of the animals, and even the slaves. God says, I want you to have a Sabbath rest. And please understand, listen carefully to me this morning. Please understand that their Sabbath rest wasn't like the so-called days of rest we have on a Saturday after a long work week. It wasn't like that at all. Their Sabbath rest wasn't a day to do the laundry and catch up on the chores around the house and do the dishes and do yard work and organize my garage and go grocery shopping and camping and play golf and basketball and go and go cook and clean and run my kids to all kinds of extracurricular activities that wasn't what their sabbath rest was at all well, that's our so-called sabbath rest that wasn't theirs their sabbath rest was a day of real rest it was real rest God didn't want them doing any kind of work. No planting, no reaping, no cleaning, no picking up sticks. They were even limited in how far they could travel. There was no work of any kind to be done on that day. Instead, they were to worship. They worshiped the Lord. They worshiped Jehovah. The Sabbath was to be treated as holy unto the Lord. It was a time of holy convocation, as the scripture says in Leviticus chapter 23. They were to reflect and connect with God and pray and study and remember God's blessings and praise his glorious name. They were to worship, worship God on this day. And they also were to be with their families. 
Be with your spouse. Be with your kids. Draw close to your family. Talk to your family. Study with your family. Pray with your family. Reflect and nurture your relationship with God with your family. There were just so many benefits to the Sabbath rest for the people of Israel under the old covenant. And for those who may wonder, for those who may wonder, why would God put something like this in the law? Why would God command them to have a day of rest? Well, the reason why God would command them to do this is because God knows people. God understands people. God understands people better than people understand people. God understands that like a lot of people do in our time today, even 3,500 years ago in the days of Moses, people could fall into the trap of burning themselves out and getting their lives out of balance. They can fall into the trap of getting too busy and neglecting the things that are most important, things like God. And worshiping God and spending time with your family and taking care of yourself physically and spiritually, taking care of your physical and your mental health. You see, through keeping the Sabbath day, Israel was forced to take care of themselves. They were forced to rest. And slow down. And rejuvenate yourself physically and spiritually, they were forced to reflect and give time to their relationship with God. And again, I know, I know that the Lord doesn't require us to do this under the old covenant. You know I'm not saying that, but while the Lord doesn't require us to do this under the old covenant, it doesn't mean that the principle, the principle, the principle is not valuable to us today. It doesn't mean that we can't learn so many important things from the principle of the Sabbath day. There is a principle here, my dear friends, that is timeless and it's wise and it is worthy of our consideration even today. While we do need to work and we need to be productive and we need to take care of our families and our physical responsibilities like Israel, our lives can also get out of balance. Our lives can also get out of whack and there needs to be time that we make to worship and rest and be with our family. There are times during the week, maybe it's not Saturday, but there are times during the week where we need to slow down and we need to pause from the hustle and the bustle and the grind and the going from here to there and the taking on this responsibility and that responsibility and saying yes to this person and that person and that person and hearing all the complaining, griping from all the people in the world. There are times we gotta get away from that stuff and we gotta rest. We gotta take care of ourselves. We gotta sit down somewhere and just think about God. And think about Jesus and pray and read our Bibles and reflect on God and reflect on how good God is and how he's blessed us in so many ways in our lives. There are times when we got to just be with our family. We got to turn that phone off. And we got to stop checking those emails and we got to stop trying to connect with everybody and literally they, their mama on social media. And we need to connect with our own family. 
We need to make time during the week to rest with our family. Pray with our family. Study with our family. Draw close to God with our family. Doing this is just as important for us as it was for the people 3,500 years ago. And the problem, I think, is it's often we, we don't see that. We say, well, well, since we're not bound by God to keep the Sabbath day, there's no, there's no significance for it. We, we don't see the significance of the principle. And you know why? Maybe it's because we don't want to see it. We don't want to see the principle. You know what a lot of people like to do in our society today? And you know I'm telling the truth about this. A lot of people, they like to wear being stretched thin as a badge of honor. Oh, I'm stretched so thin. That's a badge of honor for me. They like to brag to people about how busy they are. They're busy all the time. I just don't have time to sleep or eat. We like to brag about that. We, we, we like to wear ourselves out to the point to where we're just not no good to anybody. We're not good to ourselves, to our families, or to the Lord's church. That's what we like to do. But the principle of the Sabbath, the principle of the Sabbath teaches us that's not wise. That is not a wise way to live life. The wise way to live life is to slow down. Slow down and make time during the week, whenever that time may be for you. Your time may be different than me. But make time to just think about God. And think about Jesus and be alone with your family and make sure you physically and spiritually rejuvenate yourself. That is healthy for a human being to do. Especially in the kind of world we're living in today. And we learn that principle from the Sabbath. The Sabbath teaches us about the value of work and the value of rest. But then finally, can I close with this? It also motivates us to long for God's rest. Long for God's rest. Please go in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 4. And Brother Greg and Brother Mitch probably have covered this in their class. I know they did a fine job with that. So I'm not going to give a whole lot of commentary here. But I do think I need to at least say something about this because of this point here. So just bear with me, please. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 1, just read the text with me, okay? The Bible says in Hebrews 4 and verse 1, Therefore let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, God's rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed we have had good news preached to us, just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. So keep in mind that in this text, the Hebrew writer is trying to encourage these Christians, these Hebrew Christians, from leaving Jesus, going back to Judaism. And he wants to remind them of what happened to their ancestors in the days of Moses, in the days of Joshua. And he's talking to them about rest. Verse 3, he says, For we as Christians, as disciples, who have believed, entered that rest. Just as he has said, As I swore at my wrath, they should not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he had said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter into it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them fail to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes a certain day. 
today, saying through David, after so long a time, just as it has been said before, today if you harden your voice, do not, if you, today if you hear his voice, I'm sorry, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua, now notice this, if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. If they got the rest God wanted in the promised land, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For he himself who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. So much we could say about that, but due to time, I just want us to appreciate this, okay? I want you to notice in these 11 verses just how often the word rest is mentioned. Do you see just how often the word rest is mentioned in that section? It is mentioned in verse number 1, verse number 3, verse number 5, verse number 9, and verse number 11. God has a rest, a Sabbath rest that remains for his people. Now, I believe from my understanding of this, I believe that there are two components to this rest that the Hebrew writer is talking about here. And the first component has to do with being in a relationship with Jesus Christ, a relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. The Lord is talking about spiritual rest there. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I submit to you that what Jesus is talking about there, as he talks about rest, is something that if you are a Christian, if you are a disciple, you should be experiencing this right now. You don't have to wait for this. This is a rest that I should be experiencing right now, and you should be experiencing right now. We all should have the rest that comes from being in a relationship with Jesus. We should have peace in our lives because we've been forgiven for our sins, and we have fellowship with God, and we have access to every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ. I believe that in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 3, when the Hebrew writer says in verse number 3 of Hebrews chapter 4, that those who have believed have entered that rest, that's the rest, a relationship with God. The benefits of being in a relationship with God, the children of Israel missed that rest in the days of Joshua, even though they entered into the promised land. But let's make sure we don't miss it because of unbelief. There's rest that comes to God's people right now because of being in a relationship with Jesus, but a second Aspect of this, I believe, has to do with what the Bible says in Revelation 14 and verse 13. Where the Bible says, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, "Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, so that they may rest, so that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow with them. Notice how here the Apostle John says that God promises rest in the future as well. We get rest now from being in a relationship with God, but there's a rest waiting for us in the future. And the rest that's being talked about here is not referring to a rest on a Saturday because we worked 50 or 60 hours during the week. It's not referring to being able to vacation in the mountains or on the beach. It's not referring to resting or retiring from being a teacher or an engineer or a nurse or a factory worker or a construction worker. Instead, this verse this verse is talking about resting in heaven. 
It's talking about resting from the trials of this life. It's talking about resting in eternity. In the eternal presence of God. Here the Bible is saying that those who love God and those who serve God and those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, once they get out of this evil world they're living in right now, they will get rest. They will get spiritual eternal rest. Rest from sorrow, rest from sickness, rest from heartache and pain and disappointments and tears and temptation and sin and every other trial that is found in this life. This eternal Sabbath, this eternal Sabbath is waiting for us as the people of God and until we enter this rest. Guess what? We got to work. We got to work for God. We got to engage in good works. We got to teach. We got to evangelize. We got to encourage each other. We got to admonish each other. We got to serve. We got to battle Satan. We got to do as our theme this year suggests, and that's put that hand to the plow. There's a lot more I can say about this, but for now, I just want you to take this home, okay? Just take this home. While the Sabbath commandment, from the Old Testament law of Moses, it's not binding, and I keep emphasizing that. It is not binding on Christians today, but there's still so many lessons we can learn from it. Don't you see that? There's so many important principles that we can apply into our lives from it. By God commanding Israel to faithfully observe the Sabbath, we learn that God wants man to work, and he wants man to rest. And he wants man to find balance in his life and never neglect nurturing his relationship with God. He also wants man to seek after the eternal spiritual rest, the rest found with having a relationship with Jesus and going to heaven to be with God for eternity. These are lessons we can learn from the Sabbath. The question is, are you on a path right now to get the eternal rest? Do you have rest from being in a relationship with Jesus? And are you on a path to get the eternal rest? If not, I got good news for you. You can get that right here, right now. Right now, you can experience rest with Jesus by being in a relationship with him. If you believe in him and repent of your sins and obey his commandments, to be baptized for remission of your sins. And if you've done those things, but if you wandered away, you're not living right, you can repent and get back into a rest with Jesus, and you can get on that path that's going to lead you to eternal rest with him one day in heaven. And so if there's anyone here this morning who needs to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ, come to the front right now as we stand and we sing together.